Journey to Organization, Episode 103, Sentimental Items. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begone Personal Organization, and today I want to talk to you about sentimental items. You see, I think for most of my listeners, my students, my clients, items that are sentimental are really a huge issue for most people. And so I want to address it today because last night it came up in a talk that I was giving in Carmiel. The population of the group was a tiny bit older, and uh, they were a great group, and I had a really good time talking to them. But one of the biggest questions that resonated with them when one person asked was, you know, what do you do with sentimental items? Now, in my 10 rules of organization, I always say that you should keep sentimental items for last. You know, you should declutter the rest of the house. If you come across a sentimental item, you should put it aside in a bin or a box or whatever and you should you know (laughs) deal with it at the end of the process and it makes sense you don't really have enough experience to deal with it at the beginning of the process the whole experience at the beginning of decluttering is very emotional it's very raw it's very like taxing physically taxing and we don't know Exactly. We're not experienced enough in the decluttering process to really deal with sentimental items that we come across. And what I think is hard for most people is there's a few categories of sentimental items. There's things that we're keeping because we love them and they're important to us. And then there's the category where we keep things because someone gave them to us and we either feel obligated to keep them or we feel we feel we feel obligated to keep them from obviously obligation (laughs) that, you know, the person who gave it to us might come back to it, you know, and be like, hey, where's the thing I gave you, right? Or we feel obligated because, you know, this belonged to my mother or my grandmother or my father or my aunt, and it's my job to carry it through to the next generation. Or sometimes we hold on to sentimental things because even though they're not so useful for us, we are worried about getting rid of them. Like, well, it's sentimental. I probably will never use it, but I might use it. So uh, to combat some of those issues, I want to I want to talk about them today because I feel like when you bring issues out into the light and you can talk about them openly, it makes it a lot easier to cope with them. So what I want to say is this. If you're keeping sentimental items out of obligation for your next of kin, you know, for for your kids, for your grandkids, for your great grandkids. I strongly consider you not doing that. And if you do decide to do it, I would suggest checking with your children to see or your next of kin, whoever it is, your nieces, your nephews, and see, you know, if they actually want the stuff. Okay, so maybe you are the, you know, keeper of all things family related. And that's great. But There's only so much documentation each family needs to carry on into the next generation. So you want to keep like essentials, the family tree, what they did, who they were born, like where people were born. 
what their names were, that kind of stuff. But anything that can give us real information into insight into who people were, I'm not necessarily sure that it's worth keeping all that kind of documentation. Now, I might get some pushback on this. <laughs> I think that, you know, for a lot of people, they feel like, you know, how could I possibly get rid of photographs, let's say. If your family is not going to look at them anymore, then what are you keeping them for? Here's the truth. You can't take it with you. Anything you leave behind is going to burden your family. It's plain. It's simple. It's the truth. Whatever you don't go through now, whatever you don't take the time to sort and categorize and deal with right now is going to fall to your children, your nieces, your nephews, your friends, even whoever it is, who's the next in line for you. All that stuff is going to fall to them. And I personally don't think that that's a gift <laughs> that you want to give to people. You don't want them to feel burdened. I know that a few weeks ago, my mom called me and said, I'm making my will. What do you want? <laughs> and I told her what I wanted. And she's like, that's it. And I'm like, yeah, it was just one necklace that she has that she wears a lot. And I think it's really, really beautiful. And I know that every time I wear it, I will think of her. And she said, well, why don't you just take it now? I'll give it to you now. I'm like, no, because you still wear it and you enjoy it when you can't enjoy it anymore then I will enjoy it. But for me, the rest of the items in the house are sentimental to me, but they won't necessarily mean anything to my kids and I don't need them to be happy. And I think sometimes we think holding on to sentimental items will also make us happier. Like, well, I'm holding on to this because, you know, it was important in my family when I was growing up. Like, for example, the china that we eat on on Shabbos and on Yom Tov is important to me and I love it and I think it's beautiful. I don't necessarily want it. I have my own china that I love and it's beautiful and that meant something to me, but my kids didn't grow up eating on it. It won't mean as much to them. And so we have to kind of think things through in terms of sentimental items. A few years ago, I had a client who had these really beautiful embroidered children's shirts that her grandmother had made. And they were all too small for her children. And she's like, I just, I can't bear to part with them. So I said to her, you know, why don't you put them in a picture frame or a shadow box or, you know, something like that and hang them up on the wall? I said, let them be art in your home. What good are they going to do you if they are sitting in your house in a box stuffed in the corner where they will never see the light of day. You cannot appreciate this sentimental item if you're not looking at it all the time. And I think that we have to sort of prioritize these sentimental items a lot because the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of the items we have that are sentimental are not really valuable. <laughs> so we have to sort of assign value to things that we have. Um, and a lot of times we think what we have is actually valuable when it's really not. So if you're holding on to something sentimental because you think it might be valuable in 20 or 30 years, it probably won't. Tastes change, things change. It's not really worth holding on to something that is 
not in great condition or something that you don't value. Um, my mother sent me an email this week with a link to an article she found about Teddy Ruxpin. Now, Teddy Ruxpin was a toy that I had uh, when I was a kid 30 years ago. Um, oh my gosh, that really hurt me to say that. <laughs> Uh, 30 years ago, I had this toy. I remember having this toy. I remember when it broke and my mom said I sent it to the hospital. <laughs> it's basically a talking teddy bear with a tape deck in the back and it would like read the stories from the tape. Like it would, it, it, it would read. When I say it would read, I mean like it had a companion book and it would read to you. It would you know, it was a tape recorder basically with, and the mouth moved, <laughs> the Teddy Ruxpin mouth moved. So the, it was like the bear was reading to you. And my mom sent me a thing this week that said, if you have the Teddy Ruxpin uh, doll, it's worth like $1,500. Okay. This is a toy that probably cost $40. And she's like, well, well you know, you shouldn't have thrown mine away, <laughs> yours away. And I'm like, okay, but the toy that I had was broken. It's not usable. A $1,500 toy is selling because it's in pristine condition. It's probably in its original box. It's probably never been used. Like it probably has the companion book and the companion tape. And, and some collector paid that for it, but not everybody who has one can sell it for that price. Like it's true. There are definitely things that go up in value, but for the most part, it is difficult to sell used items. It's difficult. It's time consuming. Sure, for every $1,500 piece, there's, you know, 300 that are not even worth $2. So I think you have to weigh in terms of sentimentality, like, What's the cost benefit for me storing this? Am I really gonna look at it again? Is it taking up space? Do I have the space? Like uh, I spoke to someone today and she said to me, you know, why can't I store clothes between children? I know I have these, these, oh, I have a four-year-old boy, I have a, uh, a baby and you know, why can't I save the clothes in between them? I have the room. And I said to her, of course you can, but for every single piece of space that an item takes up, it's it do, it's not necessarily inhibiting us from having something new coming into our life, but it's one more thing we have to worry about. Imagine chas v'shalom if you had a flood or a fire or um, anything like that, or God forbid an earthquake or any of these things like could happen. It's not unheard of, and all these items that you we're storing, we're holding on to, we're lost. And I'm not talking about things that, you know, are going to be used necessarily, like the clothing that's going to be used right now for a three-year-old and then in a few, in another year or two for a baby right now. But I'm talking about like big things, like sentimental items that you're not using, that you have no desire to use, that you will not pull out, that you're holding on to because you feel guilty. And I think we have to look at the guilt and we have to say, you know, go away. <laughs> we have to say, I am not going to feel guilty over, you know, an item that I don't really want. You're welcome to find somebody else who wants it. But for the most part, it's okay to let those things go, especially if you're not using them. I know a lot of people save photographs and they save letters and sometimes those come in handy and sometimes they're very informational. I have one friend and he um, 
he, his father was a Rav, and he had a lot of communications in the early part of the century um, about Kashrut and other halachic disputes. And these letters are informational, and it talks to history, but like to go through each and every single letter is time-consuming and probably won't happen. You'd be better off sending it to an archive, and I've told him this. <laughs> He'd be better off sending it to an archive and letting them deal with it and archive it and 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 then send him some sort of record but he doesn't actually need to go through all these typed letters it's not like they actually have the handwriting on them um the other thing is is i feel like with some sentimental items what do we want our kids to find i was once on an airplane and i was talking to a lady about what i do and she said to me you know my husband just passed away and I went, I started going through a lot of our stuff and I threw away a lot of things, letters and stuff that we wrote to each other because I didn't want my kids to see them. And I think that that's a huge thing. Like I know that my husband and I had letters like that too, that we felt were private, our own thoughts, our own feelings, and they were between us. And we know that we said them to each other and we know, you know, that, what we meant to each other and what they meant to us like and we decided to get rid of a good portion of the letters we had saved um we started this tradition where we actually well we always try to watch our wedding video and look at the photographs on our anniversary but um we also started doing this tradition where we go through our letters and read them you know, to each other, to ourselves, just to look through and, you know, recapture. We've been together for a long time. So we, you know, we're trying to recapture what we felt in the beginning or just remind ourselves what we felt in the beginning. And and we looked at the, some of the letters and we're like, nope, <laughs> we're going to recycle these. <laughs> it's time to let them go. And, you know, I still have quite a few. And this year on our anniversary, which is coming up soon, you know, I hope that we'll look at them again. I'll hope that we watch our wedding video and take out our wedding photos. And, and like, it's, it's important to us. And, and, you know, we want to do that. And it's a part of a way that we connect to each other. But I don't know that my kids are necessarily going to get anything out of reading these letters between the two of us. Like, I already think they understand what our relationship is. And um, I don't think they need to know more than what they see on a face value. I think that it's between me and my husband. And I think that's the important part. But Overall, I think it's important to really look hard at why you're holding on to something. Are you holding on to it because you feel guilty? Are you holding on to it because someone gave it to you and they're going to show up at your house? If that's the reason why you're holding on to it, also, I don't know that it's such a terrible thing to be like, yeah, that broke. <laughs> Or, oh no, that tablecloth, oh, it got ruined in the wash, I'm so sorry. Or, oh, a bug ate it and had a big hole in it. I, I mean, I don't know if it's something that you don't like and something that you don't want and you're only holding on to it. So this is not necessarily sentimental, but you're only holding on to it because you feel a sense of obligation. Why? Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you hold on to the guilt? Choose to let things go. Look, when it comes down to it, the more things that you have, the more responsibility that you have. You have more worry when you have more things. I mean, Pierre Cavot says that. When you have more things, you have more worry. But it's not just the worry. It's the responsibility to those things. If you do have a flood or a fire, I mean, if you ever watch the 
pictures of, um, or if you saw the pictures, you know, in Florida or in Texas, when they, when they're cleaning up from a hurricane or after someone has a fire, have you ever seen those pictures? It's devastating to look through all that stuff and see all the things that you've collected over the years all go down to nothing. And and that nothing is salvageable. If you look at the pictures after um, the hurricanes in Puerto Rico, like it's all just nothing and people are left with nothing. Could you imagine how crushing that feels? Like, thank God I've never been in that situation. It's, I, I imagined that if I had to start picking up the pieces of my life in that physical way, I mean, obviously people pick up you know, pieces of their life, life in an emotional way, but picking up these physical pieces of life in this physical way, it must be so painful. And I can't understand, like, uh, the closest I can, I can even think of coming is, uh, right before we made Aliyah, we had a really bad car accident and it was, our car was totaled. And I remember, um, the front of the car was fine, and I re- but the car was not salvageable. And I remember going to the impound lot that it was in that the police were holding it in, um, because it happened on the on the <laughs> it happened on the George Washington Bridge, and um, we called the Port Authority police, so they towed it to their lot. So we went to go, you know, deal with it, and it was not drivable anymore. So we went to go deal with it, and I remember cleaning out the car, cleaning out all the stuff, and I just like it hurt me. And this was just a car that I didn't really have that much attachment to, and it was like, you know, I have memories of my kids in that car, like. And I didn't have that much stuff in the car, you know, we're talking about the emergency roadside kit with the jumper cables and we took the car seats out and, you know, um, we took, I don't know, we had, we keep blankets in our car, we had tissues or cables or whatever. And even though the stuff in the car was so not sentimental, we had to take all of our personal details out of the car, like the insurance information and that kind of stuff, even though that, um, it wasn't even stuff that was so important to me. It was just like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it, it was, it was hard. It was hard to watch something that you worked hard for. Like we worked hard to buy that car. We worked hard for the stuff in the car, like, and then to see it all be worthless. And you look at these, um, car seats. I actually, I can't remember if we took the car seats out or not. I can't imagine why we would have taken the car seats out because after an accident, you're not supposed to use them. So I assume that we left the car seats in the car or maybe we took out like the car seat covers or something like that so that we could have extra set or I don't even remember. Um, but I remember just looking at the car and thinking like, oh, this is so sad. And I like, it was sad. It was hard. It was a difficult situation, but I can't imagine if I had to watch like everything that I loved be ruined, you know, um, or all the happy memories that I have from, you know, sitting around my Shabbos table or, um, you know, the glasses that I have for my great grandparents or my Shabbos China, or, I mean, it's all replaceable pretty much, but it's, you know, there are memories. 
Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.